Fromer Podcast. I'm your host, Pauline Fromer, and boy, do we have a good show this week. We have three guests. Uh, the first is going to be Gene Sloan, who is one of our favorite guests because he's a true expert and just a mensch, a really smart, down-to-earth guy who has spent the last, oh my goodness, I'm guessing 20 years covering the world of cruising, first for USA Today and now for thepointsguy.com. So he's going to talk all about how cruising can come back, if it can. <laughs> I, I mean, I shouldn't say that. It will come back. How will it? That's part of what we're talking about. We're also going to talk about his recent crazy adventures in cruising. Uh, second guest is an old friend of mine. His name is Kerry Cheeseborough. He's a food professional, and uh, he's going to tell a story that I think a lot of it's us can relate to. And uh, he's kind of living the dream right now. Uh, so we'll talk to Carrie second. And then Lily Heise. Lily has been a Fromer's author for many years. We're very proud to say that she writes big portions of the Fromer's France book. She lives in Paris full-time, lucky woman. And she has a novel set during the lockdown in Paris. Uh, so we're going to talk to her a little bit about that, a little bit about what it's been like being in Paris during this time. So uh, before I get to the guests, I want to invite you because on Wednesday of this week, so that's November 19th, I believe, I hope I'm getting the date right, I am appearing at the Travel and Adventure Show. This is something I've been doing for years. It's one of my favorite things to do. Usually I go to convention centers and I stand up on stage and give a speech and sign a lot of books and kind of play travel agent. I always help people with their vacations when they come up and talk to me. This time, it's going to be virtual, like so much of our lives right now. Um, so I am going to be going on the virtual stage at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. To find more information about this, you can go to travelshows.com, but I have a special perk for listeners to this show. When you go to travelshows.com, and that's H-T-T-P, travelshows.com, use the code Pauline100 so that you will not have to pay to attend the show. Um, and, and you can use that code and go to all of the sessions. And there should be some very interesting sessions. It's going to be concentrating on travel to the Caribbean and Latin America. My speech will be broader than that, a lot broader, actually. Um, and Josh Gates is the other keynote speaker. You may know him for the Discovery Channel nicest guy and always has really fascinating things to say about archaeology. Uh, I'm assuming my uh, colleague Angel Castellanos will be on. He's a terrific expert for things like packing, and I know he's been traveling a lot, uh, much more than the rest of us, which... Um, well, I'll let him explain what he's been doing. Uh, so once again, that is travelshows.com. Use Pauline 100 to get your free ticket. And I hope you'll come. And I, I won't only be speechifying there. I'm actually going to be answering questions in real time. So if you've had questions that you want to put to me, that would be a good time to do it. 
All right, let's get to our first guest. As I said earlier, his name is Gene Sloan. He is one of the best travel writers working today. He is an editor now and a journal and a reporter, I should say, for the Points Guy. He always specializes in travel. So, Gene, first of all, welcome back. Uh, you were on what ship and what happened? And let me just say to, to our audience, we are recording this November 15th. And since the situation is fluid and changing, we wanted to make that very clear. Uh, so, so, Gene, tell us your story. So uh, I was on the very first cruise vessel to sail in the Caribbean since... Um, since this whole coronavirus pan- pandemic began, wow. and um, it it left, uh, it was a, of course a big story in the cruise world. Sure, the cruise industry has been trying to come back for months and months, um, and it's it, it, it's not one of those giant cruise ships you think of. It was a small little vessel called the Sea Dream One that normally mm-hmm. carries 112 passengers. In this case, there were only 53 passengers on board, but it left Barbados on this very first cruise on the 7th of November, about a week ago, a little over a week ago. And um, and it actually went fine for the first three or four days. And, and let me just stop you here. Everybody was tested before going on the ship and crew members were tested too, right? For COVID-19. Yes. And that's, that's why kind of all eyes were on this cruise because what they were doing on board was very similar to what the big lines plan to do or hope to do when, right. when cruising resumes in a few months. And part of that was that there was extensive testing before getting on board. So like I had to be tested three days in advance of going to the ship with one of those gold standard PCR tests that gets sent out overnight to a lab, uh, came back negative. And then I flew to Barbados to get on the ship. And the day of getting on board, I was tested again. And it, at the pier, right before you get on, they isolate you, they test you, you wait to the results. And, and then, uh, then I was negative again. Everybody on board was negative twice. Wow. Yeah. But so. it still it still wasn't enough because somebody halfway through the cruise, somebody tested positive. Right. Yeah, that's it. And, um, you know, I think that took, took folks by a little by surprise. I, I think, um, you know, the uh, I should say the cruise industry and even the CDC that's talking with the cruise industry right now about how they're going to come back when they come back in a bigger way. Um is, is thinking that they won't keep every case off. But this this is part of the plan for the comeback is that they will test passengers before they get on. And the idea is we can, we hopefully can keep COVID off 100%, but, you know, maybe at least knock it down. So it's very rare. Yeah. Uh, but they did, did also other things on board in that case that the, um, you know, it got through. Now, did any of the crew get it? And once again, we're speaking on November 15th, so things could change. But when you left the boat, had any of the crew gotten it as well? Uh, no. And uh, But I, I am hearing this morning that there is one crew member. It's unclear to me whether has tested positive or they've just put him or her in isolation. So uh, what happened was initially there was one case. So somebody in the middle of the crew started not to feel well. You know, uh-huh called the doctor. The doctor did a COVID test, came back positive. It ended up, Oof. they kept testing and seven passengers ended up testing positive. Uh, most were part of a single family staying in the same cabin. So that you would kind of expect that if one person gets on positive, they're going to give it to 
Right, right. You know, I saw a clip of you on CNBC uh, showing uh, your cabin where you were quarantined for two days. And the anchor on CNBC was kind of smirking uh, the whole time. I thought, you know, he thought as if, oh, these crazy 53 people, what were they even thinking? Uh, But which kind of broke my heart because you think of all the people who depend for their livelihoods on the cruise industry, not to mention all the people who love cruising and who want to have some way uh, to get uh, to get on with their lives, to get to get past the pandemic. And it seems like the company behind the Sea Dream tried to do everything right. Is there anything looking back that you think could have been done differently or better? Yeah, well, there is one thing, um, but it wouldn't have kept the COVID off the ships, which is huh. that initially the ship did not require require all the passengers to wear masks on board. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, they quickly changed that. So um, the first few days on board, they were thinking that they the double testing that they were doing was such a gauntlet that it was very unlikely that COVID could have gotten on board. So they, they thought, you know, it's not critical you all wear masks. They did ask everybody to social distance. And uh, they told us right at the beginning of the cruise, stay in your group. So right. you're a couple, you eat together. Don't eat with other people. Don't sit at the bar with other people. If you're going to talk to someone, be socially distanced. This isn't a cruise to mingle. Right. And, uh, and you were all alone, right? So that I must have been alone. a little lonely. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. We could talk about that. It's Because this is also how the big lines are going to do it when they come back. Well, they've already been doing it in some cruising that's come back in Europe and, um, you know, saying to social distance. And it's not the same cruise experience because cruising is a very social thing. I mean, a right. lot of reason a lot of people go on cruises is so they meet other people. They go to the bar and, you know, they, they have. Yeah. So, you know, I was very isolated before we found out there was COVID. I was really isolated, but. uh, Yeah. You were in your room for what? Three days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Four really by the time I got off. And uh, it's funny because this happened early, early Wednesday and um, I hadn't seen anybody. I hadn't been out really since Tuesday. So I really had gone five days without interacting with a human. Um, But no, I think um, so that the mass thing now you know, actually, I started posting pictures, of course, on Twitter and places, and, and other people, passengers did. And there was a big backlash. We said, "Why aren't these people wearing masks?" So, yeah, ship very quickly switched gears on that, um, and I think that was the right thing to do. Uh, I, I was a little surprised that they weren't requiring masks, but um, yeah, uh, but they yeah. basically did it. I mean, to your earlier point, um, you know, the cruise industry. They, they, they're the last, if you look at the whole travel world, they're, they're the last one to try to come back, right? Hotels are open, airplanes are right. right. Disney World's open. Um, and what they've been, their plan to come back is actually far more extensive than what other places are doing. You know, even schools, what schools are doing or, you know, so, you know, the, this idea of testing everybody before they can even get in the door. Yeah. And you're not seeing, say, with airplanes or. And, uh, and there's going to be there's going to be other things that they're doing as well uh, to try and keep people safe. I, I've uh, well, we we wrote about it on Fromers.com and you guys have written about it at the Points Guy. Uh, they're for shore excursions. You're not going to be allowed to just get off and roam around freely anymore. No. And and uh, and of course, that a lot of cruisers, that's sort of a. Uh, terrible thing to hear but uh, <laughs> yeah yeah and and the, the, you know there's been a few ships that have come back in Europe and that's how it's been working you you cannot 
you know, you can't just get off and go walk to the cathedral and have a nice day. I go to a cafe. I mean, you, they're letting people in groups off in monitored ways as, as part of an organized excursion where they're making sure you don't interact in a way that you might give somebody COVID or catch COVID and bring it back. Now I'll say on this trip, it was even more extreme. Um, for those few days before the breakout happened, and this is how it was going to be the whole week, we, we went down to St. Vincent and the Grenadines, and we did not stop anywhere with people. Uh, wow. Any interaction with any of the locals. Which So was, you were only on private islands or what? Yeah, so we would go, um, we'd anchor offshore, uh, sometimes a completely uninhabited island, and they would ferry us on a Zodiac to shore. We would, you know, go on, on a beach for, you know, sunning and swimming or uh, we did we did a couple snorkeling outings, um, and in that case, there was a snorkeling catamaran that, catamaran that came and got us. And there was a local driver to that who did stay distance. He was up, you know, driving driving the boat. But um, to the extreme level, there they wouldn't use the catamaran zodiac to take us onto shore oh. to snorkel. They we had to bring a ship zodiac to do that. Wow, the only. St. Vincent, uh, Vincentian, I think is how you say it, that I saw on, that, on the entire trip. Huh. It has its own issues because, of course, you travel to meet other people, right? And to sure. learn cultures and all that. So, But the idea with this this cruise, and you may see this with other cruises that come back, was that it was it was going to be a bubble. They yeah. would stop COVID getting on and, and, and create a bubble even in what we did. When we stop. Wow. So, so you're in a bubble on board the ship. So you're not going to meet anybody. You're not going to meet your future husband or wife on a cruise in the coming months. <laughs> uh, you're in a bubble when you go on shore. And I know that the CDC has asked the cruise lines to run test cruises. These are the bigger lines uh, before they do booked cruises to make sure that all the safety protocols are working how are they going to fill those large ships? And they have to do it, I would think. Do they have to do it with every single ship? Uh, yes. Yeah. So this is a huge hurdle for the comeback of the big ships. And I should say this this little ship I was on sailing out of Barbados did not go anywhere near U.S. waters, even though it was the Caribbean. Um, but the big ships sail out of U.S. waters to go out of Miami for a lot of So the CDC has say on what they can do. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so... Um, uh, it's, it's, pro- it's a process that's probably going to take months. They're looking right. for answers. It's part of what they have to show the CDC to like begin sailing out of Miami is that they can do this in a safe way. Well, I know Royal Caribbean has already put out the call for volunteers. Have any of the other cruise lines? Just Royal Caribbean. I, you know, I, I, I think that's a little P- bit PR. My guess is that, um, huh. my guess is that when these actually do happen, they're going to be mostly employees of the company, friends and family, that sort of thing. Um, maybe some travel agents. Uh, right. We'll see. Revy Royal may may go through with this and have just some regular people on board, but it's going to be a very monitored process. I think the CDC, which has not come out with the final rules on what these test crews are going to look like, is probably going to have it be pretty locked down. Is there anything else that, that's going to be different about cruising that we should know about in the coming months that we know about now? Because I'm sure there'll be more once, once, yeah. once. Testing, well, I, you know, so it's, um, I mean, all these things I've talked about are some of the biggies, the, the testing, the social distancing, mask wearing, you're definitely going to have mask wearing now after this cruise. Um, what I saw on the ship I was on and which will also be with the big ships is, you know, because they want social distancing on board, venues are changed in some ways. Like when this is a very small ship, it only had like 
two two uh, it had a, a bar an outdoor bar and an indoor bar but the outdoor the bars had every other stool blocked off so that right. it was physically impossible to sit within six feet of each other chairs were spread apart you, you know it's like some venues when you go on a ship will be different theaters won't be allowed to be filled and we'll have sections blocked off so you're apart from other people so some of what is normal about some of what people love about cruising will have changed yeah um, of course who knows this is all is this going to be for six months a year you know we, we don't know how long this will be but yeah i think when it starts back up it's just going to feel a little different on board if it's well, back up I thought it was interesting that it looks like celebrity is going to try and sweeten the pot a little bit because, it, as you're saying, it's going to be different and it might not always be pleasantly different. Uh, but celebrity has come out with a new plan to go uh, pretty much all inclusive. Yeah. All, all alcohol and Wi-Fi. Are they throwing in shore excursions, too, or just those two elements? Or are shore excursions included because you always have to go out in group? That's a really good question. I did not see shore excursions included. I'll need to go back and research that. But um, yeah, otherwise, everything else, you know, the, and uh, a key thing also is the gratuities, which is a, a kind of, uh, everyone likes to give a gratuity, but the, the fact that, it, you know, that a lot of lines will add it to your bill automatically, it's great on some people, but drinks, all these things. Um, I find this a pretty big development, actually, what celebrities are doing. I did too. Yeah, because yeah. uh, they're not... a luxury line. Now we've seen luxury lines do this, you know, right. Region seven C's, those sort of brands throw everything in. Uh, and you would expect that, but, uh, yeah, for their, they're more of a mass market. It's a big ship line. And they do have a real, they build beautiful ships and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's maybe a, a, a little higher of a brand than some of the other brands, but, uh, um, yeah, it's, I, I they are sweet in thought. That's a good way to put it. I, I think, um, Cruise lines are really going to have to work hard now the next six months, a year to get people to come back. I think the you, hardcore cruisers will come back initially, but kind of regular Americans are very skittish right now. Do you think that Norwegian and Carnival and all of their competitors will be doing this soon? Because I uh, I had w- once had a cruise expert tell me this. I think it, it might have been Carolyn Spencer Brown, uh, formerly of Cruise Kit- Critic. And she told me that... A cruiser who goes to the spa and the casino will often spend the cost of the cruise in those two places. So that uh, the idea is the cruise price itself is kept deliberately low because the cruise lines know they have a captive audience. They're going to make you or entice you to spend on board. Uh, But without that additional source of revenue... Uh, if they all do what celebrity does, wouldn't they be in trouble? Yeah, I think they will be. And it, it's interesting because they're, they're telling, um, you know, they're, they're, they're in some financial difficulty right now, obviously, because they're blowing through hundreds of millions of dollars a month, all the big sure. companies. Um, and they're telling Wall Street, look, you know, um, you know, we're still getting bookings and we're not having to lower our prices too badly. But what they're not telling Wall Street is, the way that's happening is they're giving away the store. I mean, they're, yeah, maybe they're not lowering the, the base price, but they're, they're throwing in everything. Yeah. And that will impact their profits two years down the road when the people actually take the cruise that got booked. So, um, yeah, it's, it, and I think when you saw a celebrity, so what's ha- what's happened this year is to get people to keep booking, they've been throwing in more and more and mm-hmm. it's complicated. So like, and this started even before, 
this year, the the kind of the cruise line, the cruise industry has switched to a model where they try not to discount to fill the ships. You know, they have low rates already, but say it's six ninety nine, they try not to say, okay, we'll give it to you for four ninety nine. Instead, they'll say we'll keep six ninety nine as the price, but we'll give you you know a choice of four things: free drinks, activities, huh. free shore excursions, free, and then you know when they need more bookings, said, we'll give you a choice of two of those things. Then it was three. It got to be a very complicated purchase, I think. And to have like, okay, I'm I'm buying this, but I get this thrown in, this not thrown in. And there were all these offers. This is, this is like I say, going back even before this year, but it became more so this year. I think celebrity just got to the point where it's like, you know what, instead of this complicated sell where we have three tiers of, of tickets and you know, this one comes with this, this one, let's just throw it all in and make that our marketing message, which I think was brilliant. And, yeah. You know, I think I do think we may see some of the other lines go this way. It's a much simpler message, you know, to just yeah. come on board. It's going to be fascinating. I got to say, all right, my final question for you, Gene, has your mother forgiven you? Uh, <laughs> you saw that tweet. I did. I, I messed up so bad on this trip. You know, I travel so much normally and, um, that sometimes I forget that like my mom who lives in Santa Fe, who's 74 years old and worries. I mean, if I go a hundred miles away, she's worried. She's one of those moms who, I don't want you to leave the house, mom. So, <laughs> Hard for a travel writer's yeah, mother. I know. And I, I you know, I, I usually am very good a few days before I had mom, I'm going to, you know, Mongolia. But t- for some reason, I just, you know, I came together very last minute and I was super busy and I just, blanked on calling mom. So she, she found out I was on the COVID cruise because a friend of hers called her and said, I just saw your son on television. After this interview, my neck, I just got home. My next call, it's still early out in Santa Fe, is to, is to mom. Oh, well, good. All right. Oh, well, yes. it's been a delight as always speaking with you. And I'm, I'm so glad you're, you're home. Thank you. It's great to talk to you. with me is Carrie Cheeseboro and his name is a name that is has a special meaning to me because we've been friends since we were in the vocal jazz ensemble (laughs) together in high school. Welcome to the Fromer Travel Show, Carrie. Thank you. Excited to be here and always happy to catch up with you, Pauline. Well, when you say excited to be here, that means Barbados. Uh, Carrie, for for many years, lived in New York. He is the CEO of two companies, Cheeseboro Kitchens and KACNYC. The first is a consulting and food production company. The second is a media design company. But when COVID hit, you thought to yourself, what? Well, why did you decide to move to Barbados? Well, it's, you know, it, it's kind of like, I want to say it's kismet. A whole lot of things happened sort of... Uh, at the same time. And it was like a perfect storm, but in a positive sense. I have, you know, born and bred New Yorker, like you said, and I have been looking to get out of New York. I lived a very hard, fast life as a young person. And then I tried to prolong that for an extra couple of decades. And then, and then I figured, you know what, maybe it's time to slow down a little and to live someplace where, you know, I had a small studio and my windows opened up to the back of another building. So I didn't get like uh. sky. I get up in the morning to go to the park because I, I wanted some peace and quiet, some trees, some sure. fresh air. 
Uh, and over the last 12 years or so, I was, I'd looked at outside of Philadelphia, outside of Chicago, because I had a very dear friend who was a paramour, but that was a one-way relationship. Uh, it was <laughs> oh. a great friendship, but, uh, but I, you know, I fell in love with her family and they took me in and I'm like, oh, I can live out there. Uh, and then uh, I was felled by this, you know, spine injury that uh, yeah. kept me out of the loop for, you know, almost three years. Two surgeries later, um, and I have a spinal cord uh, stimulator uh, implanted in my lower spine, and I'm able to wow. get off the walker that I was on for a year and a half and walk around and get my pain levels down to where I could, be, you know, live a full life. Sure. And I was about to go to Philadelphia, and then COVID hit. Hmm. Uh and I felt, okay, I kind of got stuck here. But then two things happened. I had applied for a disability um, at the end of 2017. I was 50-50 in whether I was going to get it, and I thought I would only get for the year between my two surgeries. Turns out uh, they ruled in fully favorably, so I got from when I first said I injured myself, which was uh, 2016. Right. And I wasn't expecting to get that. Wow. Payment money until November, but it actually showed up in my account before I knew it was there. And then within two days, someone, a good friend of mine who I sang in the vocal jazz ensemble with, who <laughs> is in the travel industry, posted an article about the few countries that were still letting Americans in. Oh, my goodness. I didn't realize I had influenced you to make this decision. That's amazing. That was your post that planted that very large seed. And uh, wow. yes. And it was funny because, you know, I was looking at the cultural temperament of the country anyway. Yeah. Uh, and I, I would, you know, and it just... All of a sudden, you know, the bright light bulb came off in my head. But I didn't think that it would be something really pursuable. But I did the research. So I read your article. Um, mm -hmm. I read other On Fromers.com, I should on, say. Yes, on Fromers.com. Uh, I did a little Googling and I found the Barbados government site. So I, I checked that out. They hadn't even had the welcome stamp, which is what I'm on, you know, here on. Uh, let me let me just let me just give some background for our our, our listeners. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Barbados decided to try and uh, help their tourism industry by pursuing long term tourism. So for the first time, they decided to create this special visa for people who wanted to go there for an entire year. A couple of destinations have done this all over the world. You could have gone to Estonia, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Option number two, way down. Option number, number two. two. <laughs> yeah. So uh, sorry. No, that's no. That's very important for people to know because it's a work from home visa. Understandably, tourism is down all over the world, and a large part of their economy uh, is tourism. Uh, and so, what they decided was, we can have people offer them the opportunity to work from home safely, so they're not out and about, you know, spreading mm -hmm. coronavirus. Right. Um, People who are already in that industry, it's, a, it's a less of a transition for them. Earn their outside of Barbados dollars and put them into Barbados. Um, I already work from home. I've been doing that for the last 10 years. And so it was an easy transition for me, you know, personally and vocationally. Uh, so it was an easy consideration. Plus, they're like, and you can do it close to a beach. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that sounds but cool. You did have to quarantine, right? It, you didn't just get to fly into Barbados and start your life off, did oh, you? No, no, not at all. A, a lot, a lot of research, a lot of talking to the uh, 
uh, the ministries of uh, the Office of Immigration and Ministry of Health and Safety in Barbados um, because they were kind of putting this together. It seems, I mean, you know, for me, rather uh, quickly. So there were protocols and there were protocols that were getting updated every two weeks. The U.S. was put on the high risk uh, country list. And so there were protocols. Mm -hmm. For that, I had to be tested within three days. At first, 72 hours, and they said three days um, before getting on the flight. Uh, and then I'll be retested originally five days after I landed. And then they switched to October 1st. They said, okay, well, you'll get tested four to five days after your initial test. So I had to quarantine at a nice hotel, which felt more like a vacation than a quarantine anyway. And uh, and then I got a second test. I went in it. That came out of my pocket, the cost of that test. It was part of the room charge. Um, right. But worth it, though. And I was out of quarantine within two days. Wow. So how long did you spend in quarantine altogether? I was in quarantine. I landed on Tuesday, October 13th, and I got the I got the test done the next day, and then I got the result back that Thursday. So got a green bracelet, which means that I was released from quarantine. I could go wherever I wanted. Oh, wow. Do you have to wear that green bracelet everywhere now? No, just in the hotel. Oh, just in the hotel. I see. I see. And then you found a lovely apartment, which has more space uh, than your New York one. I know from seeing your your pictures on Facebook. And what did you expect when you decided to move to Barbados? And how has the reality differed? I will tell you. So every day, including this morning, this morning, I went to a farmer's market. uh, Someone I met. I've been I did. I'm in part of uh, four different Facebook groups, Barbados related, one about travel, one about the culture, uh, one of uh, expats. And most of the expats are from Canada and the UK with a few from the uh, US. And um, so I got a bit of intel from uh, from them. But I think I not wanted to get my expectations too high. I underestimated the sort of general sophistication of mm. this rather modest uh, island. I didn't think I would be able to find things like fresh rabbit or duck breast or, do you know, um, <laughs> like modern furniture. Uh, and, uh, and, it, and it's all here. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And so that that was a pleasant surprise. I sent a lot of stuff from my New York City apartment that is now just starting to show up. That was a surprise in a negative sense. I found someone to ship barrels, which you huh. probably know about. Um, and the person who was recommended to me by my landlord who showed me this apartment as an aside to the apartment that I'd asked about. So, and this, huh. was, and again, this was through Facebook. I found these people who were listing these apartments because like you said, they all want long-term rentals now. Right. They used to be, so you're living in an apartment that was created for tourists for exactly. short-term stays. Exactly uh, that. Yeah. Um, and I'm the first person in this, this unit has five different apartments and I'm the first one in here since March. Wow. He must have been thrilled that you took it. Um, you know, I was I was in Barbados about two years ago. I was there for the SATW, the Society of American Travel Writers Conference. I gave the keynote speech that year. And I ran all around the island and I met a lot of people because I was going to, I always have to write about places when I go to them. And what struck me was, you're right, there's a sophistication to Barbados, not just in the food choices. You're a chef, so that's what you're (laughs) looking at. But I learned that in Barbados, and I'm not sure if this is still the case, maybe you know, 
all education is free, even college and graduate school for the citizens, which makes it one of the most educated Caribbean islands. And so whoever you meet, you can have really broad ranging conversations with them. To me, that was what was so striking about it. Not to mention it's absolutely gorgeous, you know, with white sand beaches and sparkling aqua seas. I mean, and a gorgeous old uh, city with really deep, intense slave history, fascinating history in the old town. There is a great balance, much like New York, actually, that it's got a great sense of tradition, culture that's rooted in history, and yet they are sort of very progressive-minded, sort of like socially, uh, and it's great. Yeah, they have a great education system. Um, yeah. Better than the U.S., they like to tell me, and I read as much as well. Um, and people do have a, a wealth of uh knowledge about a great many topics and they are they are natural conversationalists which is which is great i wanted to make sure because it, the welcome stamp is for 12 months right right you know, um i don't have to stay the 12 months but I, I plan to uh so i wanted to not just live the life of a tourist here there was great being in a nice hotel overlooking the beach but i'm living among the people now i want to live in barbados and not just feel like i'm a long-term visitor and right i that was an expectation that I wasn't sure would be met, and it's been met, and then some. And you've met people? See, that would be my major worry, moving somewhere new, that I would be lonely. I moved here, and one of the reasons why I picked Barbados, because people are like, do you know anyone there? And I said, no, but I, I wanted to meet new people, have new experiences, have new perspectives, have people who have different histories, and then sort of uh, immerse myself in that. I didn't want to bring New York and America with me. I wanted to kind of grow and evolve and just experience something brand new. And I've been able to do that. Once again, through the Facebook groups, because I, huh. I use Facebook only for good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. Yeah. I, I've always liked Facebook and I, I know it has very negative things attached to it. But but to me, it's been something that really has opened up the world. When I travel, I'll ask my friends of friends to introduce me to people. Uh, and I've met people throughout the world because of Facebook. Yeah. And the people that I've met here that I've, I've, you know, I went to the farmer's market with three of them, you know, one of them brought me cupcakes and I, I exchanged oh. the cheesecake that I made. Uh, I met them through these uh, Facebook groups, but I already have a community and a network here. Uh, That's that amazing. I and uh, just, we said at the start that Carrie is CEO of two companies. One is Cheeseboro Kitchens and he creates really delicious sauces and other types of foods that you can order. And you are going to be reflecting Barbade, Barbadian or is it Barbadian? Is that the correct word? Barbadian cuisine? Barbadian your... and or Bayesian. So Bayesian. That's yes. the word I was thinking of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I, you know, there are ingredients that I, I experienced for the first time. I've been here for a month in soursop, which is this great fruit. And I made a soursop cheesecake with Bayesian cherries. They have Bayesian cherries that grow on trees mm. outside my apartment. And they're, they have a different, you know, flavor profile and properties than regular cherries. And I reduced the juice of that in sorrel, which is a popular flavor here, right? Hibiscus. And I made this beautiful dessert. Uh, I've done... You know, there's an oyster fish market where I can buy fish that was caught out of the ocean hours before I take it wow. home and cook it. 
three pounds of swordfish for $17. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. Although you're not eating three pounds of swordfish at a pop, are you, Carrie? No, no, not at all. <laughs> but because they're so fresh, they freeze very well uh, ah. as well. And then, you know what? It's like, it's very sort of rural, which is where my dad was from. Uh, and so this reminds me of being in Orangeburg, South Carolina, where people have yards and, they, you know, there are chickens in their backyards. Right. You know, they mow their lawns on Saturday. They they do hedges and someone will cook and they just go to the neighbors and say, hey, I made this. Hey, I made this wow. swordfish with a Bajan cherry pineapple marinade and I grilled it. And here you, you, know, you have some. And they give me, you know, uh Carrot, carrot milk, which has cashew milk in it, and is hmm. delicious. Interesting. So now we're finding out how you're meeting all these people. You're being very generous. Well, I got to say, Carrie, I'm proud of you to to pick up at our age and and make this big uh, a leap of faith. And it seems like you're thriving, and I hope you continue to. Thank you for appearing on the Travel Show. It's been such a delight catching up with you. It's been a delight catching up with you, and thank you. I thought you might have known that the, that the, no. you were the you were the information. I was the part. catalyst. You were Amazing. the catalyst, uh, I, and yeah. I could not be happier. So thank you as well, and thank oh, you for good. having me on, on with you. Is our next guest. She is one of the authors, we're very proud to say, of Fromer's France. She also has a new novel out called There's Only One Paris. Well, welcome to the Fromer Travel Podcast, Lily. Oh, thank you so much, Pauline. It's really an honor to be here. I've loved uh, sharing my knowledge of France with your readers over the years, and it's great uh, to be part of your team. And I don't think I've ever heard a more true name for a novel. There is only one Paris. Uh, But that Paris has become a little different in the recent months. And one of the reasons your, your new novel is so interesting, many reasons, but it's set in quarantined Paris. It's really of the moment. Absolutely. So the novel actually was sparked at the beginning of the first quarantine when so many people couldn't come to Paris. And so the stories were taking place in in an imagined kind of post-quarantine, but still with the pandemic around. And that's sort of what we have gone through over the last few months. And then as your listeners are probably aware, Paris has gone under a second quarantine. And so it's really quite interesting to see how the situation is evolving and the stories are extremely timely. Yes. Well, and that's what's so interesting about the book. I mean, it really does give you a peek into a unique time. Although when I was reading it, I I was surprised by some of the details, like the name of the book, There's Only One Paris, comes from a song that a musician is singing on one of the metros of Paris, on one of the underground trains. Would that have been allowed? (laughs) Well, that's a very good point, Pauline. And in fact, as readers will find out throughout the book, it's based on a quote originally from Vincent van Gogh, actually. Vincent van Gogh spent um, quite a few years in Paris. This is where much of his artistic career took place in Paris and in France, I should say, because he was in the south of France. And in one of his letters, he once uh, talked about the fact that there's only one Paris and as hard as living here can be, and if it were to become harder, 
the city does a world of good. And so that's the full quote. And huh. so I took that as a kind of an analogy to the current situation we're living. So many people love Paris. It is, yeah. a, a, you know, one of the top visited uh, places in the whole world. But we're going through this strange time. And also so many people are missing the city as well. And so I use that as a parallel to what is happening today. And I've weaved that in as a theme throughout the whole book, because as you mentioned, <laughs> there is yes. a song that is sung by a metro performer throughout the um, book, because what happens is, is there is this exciting chase that takes place through the metro as a, as a gentleman is trying to catch up with this um, uh, subway performer who is right. singing this song. And in between, we have um, short stories, stories that take place above ground in the places where the metro is traveling um, through underground. And so we kind of hop up outside of uh, outside of the metro system and 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 meet a whole cast of other characters. But you dodged my question. I live in New York City and I have I, I have not taken a subway since March in New York City, partially because I've always biked around the city anyway. So I've just gone, I've doubled down on doing that. I'm now doing that in the rain. I'm doing it in bad weather. But uh would it, I, I do. I want to talk about the novel, sure. but I also want to talk about what Paris is like right oh, now. Yeah. Are there lots of people on the metro and would there be a musician? Very good question. So we can get back to that. <laughs> um, so keep in mind, these stories are set before the new quarantine. So it's in between the quarantines. So in right. between the quarantines, we had freedom of movement. And so you were allowed to take the metro. And what happens on the metro is that there are certain performers who are allowed to play on the metro and they have an official permit. <laughs> and uh, so if you have been to Paris, perhaps you've, yes, I know you've been to Paris many times. Right, but many times. The many listeners, times. <laughs> um, for those of you who have been to Paris, you maybe have seen musicians on the metro. You also take your readers through a run through the Met, uh, not the Metropolitan, my goodness, I'm thinking New York, a run through the Louvre. And uh, you visit many of the different galleries, bringing it totally to life. I would think that now has there's never been a better time than now to visit the Louvre because you're probably there without the huge crowds. Obviously, you can't. Right. Right. Has it been closed, I'm assuming, for because of your current lockdown? Or, yes. Or what's so for the whole month of November, um, all museums and cultural facilities have been closed in addition to non-essential shops. The metro is still open because people who are going to work need to be able to get there. And so museums have been closed for a few weeks now. But in between mid-May, uh, or I should say early, it depends, uh, mid-May um, through to November 1st, there were um, there were museums were open again. The Louvre reopened on July 6th, I think, so very early July, and it was blissful to visit <laughs> because it was really sure. crowded. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and and in the book, you so bring it to life. I mean, it, it is interesting when you visit the Louvre. It's like it has four different worlds, uh, maybe more. Uh, but but f is it four sections that it's it's divided into? Am I remembering three, that correctly? Three. So you're three. very close. Three three wings. 
Yes. Three three major wings and your your character runs through all of them looking for an art piece that an unknown character would know was really, really uh, personally important to him. Uh, but along the way, you take us through the splendid and, as you say, badly uh, what's uh, hurt by time uh, uh, sculptures from the from the Roman and Greek era. You take us to the extraordinary painting galleries that, that, that you, or every uh, painting you ever studied in Art History 101 seems to be in the Met. Uh, the, why do I keep saying the Met? I'm sorry, the Louvre. Uh, yeah. So, but you cannot go there now uh, during this new phase of the quarantine. Are you allowed to leave your house without permission or do you have to have a specific place to go right now? Okay, so here's what um, what's the, the situation. Back in the first quarantine, it was a lot stricter. This one is a little bit more flexible because people are allowed to go to work, even though they highly recommend people work from home and schools are open. And so people are going out. Um, I don't have children, but people are going back and forth to schools. So you need a permission slip to leave the house. But it's, wow. Yes, but it's personally assigned. And so you print it all, uh, off the website of the Ministry of the Interior, or you can download it onto your phone. And um, you have to choose within a very small selection of reasons for leaving your home. And um, you have to put the date and the time and sign it. So um, it's to it's to reduce people for going out and about for not a good reason. And of course, sure. to prevent the spread of the coronavirus, which is... So you can't rampant. just... You can't just, uh, one of my favorite things, especially at this time of year, when things are a bit gray, but that almost works better in Paris than it does in other parts of the world because the buildings are all gray. And so it becomes this gorgeous monochromatic scene where you have the gray of the buildings and the gray of the the skies and maybe some orangey yellow trees with the, their leaves turning. Yes. I, I, it's one of the most beautiful times in Paris, the most under uh, recognized. Everybody says spring in Paris, but I love the fall. I agree. The fall is a very nice time to come to Paris. And um, we're lucky this November is actually fairly mild. So even though the sky, I'm looking out my window up here in Montmartre in the northern Paris and mm. we have a gray day today, but yesterday was quite sunny and balmy. Um, so it goes back and forth. It hasn't had as much rain as usual, but the colors have been really beautiful and that does help lift spirits. But you're right, kind of that does add to the Parisian ambiance. So I love walking around as well. And um, with the new restrictions, you are allowed one hour of exercise per day. Uh, That has to be done, though, within one kilometer. uh, So what's that? A bit under a mile of your home. And I am fortunate, as I mentioned, I live in Montmartre, which is a very beautiful part of Paris. And so my one kilometer is actually quite beautiful. And there are wonderful views up here in Montmartre, which allows the city of Paris to come to me, even if I can't right. go to every corner of the city. Well, right Mon- Montmartre, use, it's, it's, uh, it's a mountain and it used yes. to be its own little village. And so you get to look down on the rest of Paris. Precisely. That's absolutely correct. And so it's charming up here. There isn't a lot of traffic. And so it's quieter as well. And so walking around, um, you can actually hear the birds. And so wow. normally, you, you, you know, in busy traffic uh, center of Paris, you can't hear the birds. 
but up here it's uh, that is one of the advantages of uh, the confinement. And the other well, one is the fact mm-hmm. that there's less traffic and so there's less pollution. And so in general, ah. the skies are clearer too when it's not gray out. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, reading the book, I think, will give our listeners the same type of experience that speaking to Lily does about Paris and the quarantine. It's a fascinating, very different place. Once again, the book is called There's Only One Paris. Thank you, Lily, for appearing on the Fromer Travel Podcast. It's, it was wonderful to be here. Thanks so much, Pauline. Thank you so much for listening. And to those who are traveling, maybe just across the street or maybe in the future. Wish you a hearty bon voyage. See you next week.